Happy Friday. Welcome in to the Eyes on Texas Multicast, our preview edition. Texas TCU tomorrow night at Amon Carter Stadium in Fort Worth. Longhorns coming in on a mission now, 8-1 and one on the year, 3 to go. TCU, it's their Super Bowl. They're 4-5 and five on the year, uh, and a win over Texas would get them one game closer to bowl eligibility, but also would be the, the feather in the cap this season leads for them for Sonny Dykes after last year's magical run to the national championship. It is Texas and TCU. We're previewing it on the bi-weekly broadcast that understands the pride and tradition of the Texas football program. And the Texas Longhorns will never be entrusted to the timid or the weak. They trust it to us, the Eyes on Texas multicast, to keep everybody on top of everything happening because we have our, our eyes firmly planted on the Longhorn football program. We're a product of the Republic of Football on Dave Campbell's Texas Football Podcast Network. Empowered by our presenting partners at Grande Equipment. I'll tell you about them throughout the broadcast. By Aaron Hogan, morning shows at the Horn here in Austin. He is the senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, Mike Craven. Hello, Mike. Uh, good news today or yesterday from Sark we'll talk about, but uh, how are you, my friend? Doing pretty good. Getting ready for another week of the college football season. Only three full slates of the college football season left to go, uh, so enjoy it. Absolutely. I mean, we when we started this multicast way back in uh, spring football and we're begging for football all the time. So enjoy, you know, all through the summer. And here we are with three to go. And then whatever comes beyond that looks like it could be a good, good December for Texas. We'll certainly talk about it. Uh, we are the multicast keeps you on top of all things Texas football. Call it a multicast because it's available, available to watch weekly twice on Dave Campbell's Texas football YouTube channel. Also on YouTube for the Horn FM in Austin. Also can follow the show on Twitter at Eyes on Texas Foot FB. On Instagram at Eyes on Texas Pod. And on Facebook, we are live at Eyes on Texas Podcast. Uh, and Mike, it's uh, one of these days we're going to get back into our beautiful, luxurious Horn studios. But uh, until then, we're still on Zoom. I miss seeing you. I miss seeing you a couple times a week or at least once a week. We'll have to get that rearranged. But uh, for now, we're still on Zoom. But uh, we'll make this thing work. Let's start as we do with our preview editions. Uh, talking about the big picture of the game, and then we'll break it down uh, offense to defense, vice versa, special teams, picks in the game. But obviously the great news from yesterday, Steve Sarkeesian had his Thursday news availability with the Zoom crew and broke the news pretty early. Quinn Ewers is going to play, uh, says his family, the medical team, um, you know, checked it out, said he was good to go. He practiced this week and make every throw on the field. Uh, Quinn Ewers is going to give it a go after missing two games and uh, perfect timing for the Longhorns to get those two home games with Malik Murphy and now Back-to-back -back road games, looks like they'll have Quinn Ewers back. Yeah, if he's healthy enough to go, if he feels comfortable, you, you let him out there if the doctors say he's okay. I'm a little surprised it was this week. I, I thought maybe they'd hold him one more week, uh, give him the Iowa State game. Uh, the journalist in me, the cynic in me, wonders if, if Malik Murphy was playing a little bit better. Uh, maybe they feel like they have a little bit more time to get him back. But with so many things out in front of Texas, uh, with three games left in this regular season, a Big 12 championship game, and, and possibly a college football playoff berth out there, if you're Sark, if you're the Longhorns, you got to be happy that your quarterback's back. Yeah, uh, and it kind of sounded like to me yesterday and talking to some folks around the program, he wants to play. Uh, he wants to let it rip, and he – you know, I know Sark alluded to this uh, on the Monday availability or on the Monday news conference. This team's kind of ticked off about the way they played last year in this game. Uh, this was an embarrassing game for them. Remember, that was college game day. They scored three offensive points. Quinn didn't play very well. Uh, there were some reports that TCU had some of their signs or whatever from some past whatever. That's on Texas in my mind. But either way, they just didn't play well. And there's kind of a sense that being a Metroplex kid from South Lake Carroll, which isn't very far from, from Fort Worth, that this game meant a lot to Quinn, that he wanted to play and make amends for that game last year. And honestly, he wants to be a part of this run. So if it's 80%, 85%, 
I give the kid credit. He wants to tough it out and be out there with his football team. And he hadn't played a ton of football over the last few years. I mean, think yeah. of Quinn Ewers' journey. You know, his junior year of high school, he's beat up a little bit on the way to that state championship game, so he missed some games there. Now, obviously, he foregoes his senior year and then red shirts at Ohio State and plays a few snaps. Last year, he gets on the field, and then the second game of the year, he gets hurt and he misses some games. This year, he gets on a roll seven games in. He gets hurt late against Houston and misses some games. So I'm sure he wants to be out there not only just to play the football game and to have fun and be around his guys, but to prove to himself and to, and to the next level that he's a tough kid that can play through some injuries and this this injury bug thing isn't something that's going to follow him. Yeah, and he he did come back for his team that year, his junior year in high school, right, when he was hurt and yep. came back and led them into the state playoffs. So showing some toughness and uh, you know showing some leadership. He wants to be out there with his football team because I think – your point about Malik was was dead on. I mean, uh, I mean, he threw two interceptions against K State, but he also threw th two, three other balls that were in peril. Uh, let's put it that, that were not good throws. Uh, and that's that's really to me the only way Texas loses this game is if they turn the football over. And let's be honest, the game with K State wouldn't have been close if not for the two turnovers, the interception, the block punt. I mean, all those things set set up short fields for Kansas State and uh, allowed them to to turn that game around. Actually, at the end of the first half of the block punt, and then right in the end of the third quarter, into the fourth. I mean, it was two little four or five minute spurts that kept Texas, your, you know, got Kelly State back in that game. And a lot of it came from Texas mistakes and Texas charity. And um, other than that, Texas was really in control of the game, but obviously it ended up in overtime and dang near a loss. So going on the road, as I mentioned, you know, you've been to Eamon Carter many times. I mean, this, this state will be hopping. I was trying to get some tickets for my daughter to this game, or she lives up there in Denton. And I was like, man, babe, it's a tough ticket. <laughs> it's a tough ticket. No one wants to get rid of them. All the TCU fans want to be there for the best home game of the year, the the bid the bid farewell to Texas, and you know a lot of Texas fans in the Metroplex want to be at this game too. So it's a tough ticket, like they all have been for the Longhorns whenever they leave Austin. Yeah, ninety fourth meeting uh, in this series, Texas and TCU have played each other in three different centuries. You know they wow. they started this thing in eighteen ninety seven when TCU was in Waco. That's how long this thing goes back. They've played at least one game in every decade for fourteen straight decades, and so. Uh, while it's not looked at as the OU game or the A&M game for obvious reasons, this is the fourth most played team Texas has ever played against, you know, right right behind OU, A&M, and Baylor. And so a lot of history, as you said, a lot of Texas fans in the, DF, in the DFW uh, area. And if you have a, a ticket to this game, you want to be, you know, something that's going to be talked about in 20, 30 years, right? You're in the stadium when uh, the last time TCU played Texas. So it's been big for Baylor. It's going to be big again uh, for TCU as well. I know for the uh, football nostalgic, nostalgic fan you are, it's been a hard year, right? And we saw the last <laughs> Bedlam, we saw the last Texas Baylor, we're now going to see the last Texas TCU. Uh, it's 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 changing, and as you say, adeptly, it's it's for money reasons, for good reasons. There'll be some good that comes out of it. You're going to lose a lot of great games, and uh, this is another one of them. And you know the TCU Texas history, you know it as well as anybody. You know, they they really wouldn't be in this conference uh, without the help of Texas. It was the lost odds that really went to bat for TCU back when Gary Patterson was growing that program and uh, felt like they'd be a good fit in the Big 12. When You know, everybody wanted the lost odds as advocacy to help them get in once Texas A&M left. Uh, and he kind of threw, threw his hat in the support behind TCU. And part of the reason Gary Patterson spent last year with Texas on the staff was felt like he owed it to Texas a little bit. Uh, wanted to help Sark, wanted to stay around the game, but – Felt like he owed it to his buddy, the Lost Odds, because obviously, if you look at the program at TCU and the facilities and it's it's aware it's national brand before joining the Big Twelve and then now, man, what a what a rise! I mean, that's the model for how you grow a program, and uh, you could argue wouldn't happen 
without Texas's support. And I think, I think, you know, certainly Gary Patterson knows that. And here they are playing for the national championship last year. Uh, and, you know, when Texas and Oklahoma leave next year, um, you know, they're going to have to be one of the pillars. They're going to have to be one of the strong programs in the conference with Sonny Dykes based on what they did last year, you know, along with the Oklahoma States and uh, new Arizona schools and Colorado. They're going to have to step in and try to create some new rivalries starting next season. Yeah, with the recruiting base that they have, with the money that they have, with the, with the university prestige that is TCU, they should be one of the two or three programs along with maybe Utah, uh, Texas Tech because of the money that's out there in West Texas uh, that can contends for a Big 12 championship every year. And with the playoff expanding, you know, that means we may get Texas and TCU again. And then there's also the Chris Del Conte uh, connection. He was at TCU. He's really close. Um, with the AD there, you know, in Fort Worth with Sonny Dykes. And so I think if there is a team that's going to get on the schedule again for Texas between Tech, Baylor, TCU, the connections to TCU feel like the one that would make it make the most sense. Um, it's going to be an interesting atmosphere on Saturday. I mean, Carter's not known for being the most raucous place in the world, but I think it's going to be up for this one. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'd imagine it's going to be a, a sellout crowd and probably a record crowd there in Fort Worth. All right, before we start breaking it down position by position, let's go uh, and thank our presenting partner at Grande Equipment, uh, our great friend Wes Murray and Weston and his team, who have been for 31 years uh, being the best in the industry of, of uh, heavy equipment rentals and sales. Uh, if you have a project and you need equipment, let Grande be your partner on that deal. Uh, they're going to get there with you and be a partner. As Wes always tells me, we're in the relationship business. Uh, once we earn your business and we're going to provide your equipment for that project, we're in it with you all the way to the end. We're going to understand your budget, your timeline, and we're going to get this thing done. The equipment you need will be on site and job site ready and hassle free and ready to go. Uh, and they're an independent contractor, meaning they don't need to uh, worry about the, the brand name. You need a Caterpillar, John Deere, Volvo, Komatsu. They can use it all and get it all for you. Uh, and that's how they've operated for over three decades now. They also have a great new renewable energy sector that supports solar projects all over the country, specializing in pile driver application, uh, used nationally with the capability of renting statewide and nationally. Grande Equipment, based right here in Central Texas, your independent dealer. Find them at grandeequipment.com. Remember, Grande, Grande doesn't overpromise, they overdeliver, which is what we try to do here with our multicast, our biweekly conversations about Texas football. We break it into uh, phases, just like a football game, quarters. We will certainly talk about the Texas defense against this offense of TCU and vice versa. Let's start right there with the Texas uh, Texas uh, offense. Quinn Ewers back. Uh, TCU's defense, Mike. Uh, they they're, they're let's be honest about TCU. They're they're stumbling into this game. They've lost four out of five. Um, they lost that first game of the year to Colorado in September. That was a national loss for them. That was the game of the week, and everybody was talking about Deion Sanders' program after they they just they toppled. Uh, TCU had been playing in the national title game the year previous, 45 to 43. But uh, in September, looked like they might have righted the ship a little bit, kind of found their foot, and they won three games, got the three and one. But really, since October, Mike, they've they've dropped four out of five, a couple of one-score games in there. The only game they won, they crushed BYU uh, in that football game. Uh, but then they went on the road the next week and got throttled by K-State, 41 to three. Then they lost uh, on Thursday night a week ago to Texas Tech, 35-28. What's your overall thought on this TCU team? Then we'll start talking Texas offense to TCU defense. Yeah, team-wise, you know, it just feels like one that the odds have come against, right? Like last year, TCU won the close games. They did the small small stuff well. Uh, and they were 6-0, and I believe, in one possession games in, in 2022. Well, I believe those are coin flips. And coin flips end up coming back to the average, right? You may flip heads six times in a row. Uh, but eventually, that's going to come back close to 50-50. This year, they're 0-4. 
and those games. So I'm sorry, they were six and one last year in one possession games because they lost the Big 12 championship game. But they're 0 and four this year. So now they're six and five in one possession games. A lot of that to me has been the quarterback play. Last year they had Max Duggan to bail them out of in a lot of situations to come up with that one big play they needed uh, to win a football game. This year they have been inconsistent at quarterback. Chandler Morris uh, wasn't the guy even before he got hurt. Once he was injured, they have to go. Uh, to a redshirt freshman that hadn't played a lot of football, obviously, and Josh Hoover, and he struggled. He played well in his first start uh, and has struggled since then. I think he's still going to be the starter as, as Morris works his way back. I think he's healthy enough to suit up, probably not healthy enough uh, to go 60 minutes. So they're going to let you know Hoover go on the offense, and they just lack playmakers. Last year they had Quentin Johnston on the outside. They had a really good offensive line. They don't have that this year. It was always going to be a step back. I think that was that's the thing, right? Like TCU is not Georgia. They're not Ohio State. They're not They're not Alabama. You can't lose eight NFL draft picks from a team that was basically 500 the three years before Sonny got there and expect to be as good. I just think they thought the step back wouldn't be as big, that they'd be to eight or seven wins this year, maybe even nine. But that's the importance of the quarterback position. Like, this isn't a bad football team. They just don't have a guy that can lead them through those, those adversity moments, those close games. And last week against Texas Tech was the perfect example. TCU outplayed Tech in a lot of ways last week. Uh, but they had a quarterback that just kept throwing it uh, to the secondary. And so when you have that happen, TCU is just not good enough to overcome those mistakes. Yeah, mistake prone. Like the ESPN FPI, the Football Power Index, they have TCU ranked as like 28 at four and five. I mean, there's an argument uh, analytically. They're the – you know, the best five loss team in America. But at the same time, your record's your record. You talked about those one score games. There's been a blowout in there, too. And, uh, you, you know, we talked on our morning show to uh, Landry Burdine, who's the color analyst on TCU radio, played at TCU back in the late 90s. Nobody tied in like Landry. And he said something interesting. He said he thought, you know, he's an advocate of the transfer portal, but he says it's what you're seeing is kind of the some of the ills of the transfer portal because they tried to replace all those great players, right? Those Sunday players on their defense, it was D. Winters, a linebacker, and uh, the big kid up front the Texans drafted. Uh, obviously, Tomlinson, uh, the, the Doak Walker Award winner at corner. And they tried to go in the portal and bring in some guys. And he said something interesting that, it, you know, if these guys – he said the beauty was those all those eight guys that are now playing in the NFL – we're in the program for five years. I mean, they bled for the program. They went through the Gary Patterson change. They they bonded and they they gave everything. It was all for Tech TC. It was all for one another. You know, when you bring in a bunch of portal guys and are hoping they they help immediately, you know, they may not have the buy in immediately. They may just they're just getting there. They're getting their feet wet. It's nothing against them really. It's just you know, they brought in the three kids from Alabama: you know, JoJo Earl and Trey Sanders, a running back, uh, Tommy Brockermeyer, uh, and those guys really haven't had a huge a huge impact and. You know, it's it's just it's tough, uh, and it's something where I think Sark on the Texas side is doing a good job of still winning the high school battles to build that pipeline of talent, and then targeting the portal where you need to. And quite honestly, when we get to the end of this season, the Longhorns are going to have a lot of guys moving on from a team that may win a championship. And they're going to have to decide how they're going to tread water there into the SEC because they're going to lose a ton of guys on defense. But it's a tough thing to do to replace that many good players. And as we said when we started talking TCU in the preview, and you wrote it for the magazine, Mike. They were, they were replacing the best player at every position on their team, wide receiver, quarterback, defensive line, offensive line, everywhere. That's tough to do, tough to do in a spec. But I think you're right about 100% about the, the margins because last year Max Duggan would find a way, right? If a play would break down, Max Duggan would take off, run, find a first down, keep the chains moving. Uh, when we talk about the TCU offense, Josh Hoover doesn't run much. Uh, and he turns the ball over. Those are two bad combinations. 
uh, for a young team. But for 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 Quinn Ewers and the Longhorns, um, you know, you, you see this as a run heavy uh, offense for Texas here. As we talk Texas offense against TCU defense, that's going to be brought to you by our friends at Brain Vault, the Brain Vault technology. Dr. Greg Eckert and his Brain Vault. Uh, do you think this is a heavy run game? Uh, Sark's, Sark's obviously MO is passed to set up the run. If he says Quinn's good to go, he's good to go. Or do you, you think this might be a little heavier run game against a, a, a defense they should be able to run the football on? Or how do you see this, this game plan shaping up for Texas? A lot of that probably depends on on the real health of Quinn Ewers. If he's closer to 100%, I'd imagine Sark gives him the whole playbook and, and comes out swinging. You know, they've, they've struggled against the pass at times, especially kind of like Texas. If you can get their safeties in coverage, uh, you have a chance. They have one really good quarter in Josh Newton, but but not much else uh, in coverage back there. They're pretty decent against the run. I mean, teams are averaging fewer than four yards a carry, but they don't play many offensive lines that look like Texas. They don't play many running backs. That looked like Jonathan Brooks last year, last week, Texas Tech and Taj Brooks had some success up there. They play that three man uh, defensive line with some big bodies up there, try to plug holes and let their linebackers and safeties go fill. They played really well against Texas's offense last year. And so for me, this one is, you know, when you have a quarterback out for a couple of weeks, I think there's two ways you can go about this. You can lean on the running game really heavily and try to hide Quinn Ewers and, and let him ease back into this deal. Or you just let them go from the very beginning, give them some easy throws, build some confidence early, put the defense back on their heels. Um, to me, this one's going to be where Texas's skill position guys are just flat out better than TCU's. And so if you can get them the ball in space, uh, the Longhorns should have a lot of success. Yeah, last year, the uh, TCU Hornfrogs had Quentin Johnson and Darius Davis and great receivers. This year, it's Texas that comes in with – A.D. Mitchell uh, and, and Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington and all the, the weapons they can throw. And J.T. Sanders back near his hometown of Denton. Uh, I'd like to see them get him more back involved. You know, that injury kind of slowed, slowed down with, you know, he, you know, he was announced this week. Uh, J.T. Sanders is a finalist for the for the Mackey Award for the top tight end in the country. And I know you're not playing games to win awards, but you, you could uh, accomplish a couple of things. Get him into the, involved in this offense for the stretch run. Uh, make him the matchup problem that he is near his hometown and uh, help him on his way to maybe a Mackey Award uh, down the road. That'd be fun to see for JT Sanders. But the weapons belong to Texas. The run game should belong to Texas in this game. Uh, we'll see what TCU has. You're right. I mean, that's uh, this is the side of the ball where I think Texas really wants to prove the point because they only scored three offensive points against this team last year and were kind of embarrassed with game day in town and national audience to see if they can turn that around. Uh, key to what will be keeping Jonathan Brooks, you know, on, on his way to maybe all big 12 honors, uh, get him going. Uh, the other part of today's news or yesterday's zoom event that, uh, was, was promising Sark reiterated what he said Monday, everybody's practicing. Um, you know, it looks like Cole Hudson could be back playing guard. looks like Christian Jones is good to go at right tackle. Uh, obviously Kelvin Banks was nicked up a little bit last week. He should be back and ready to roll. So now you have your full complement of offensive line and depth behind it, uh, to where really, you you you're, you got your your full arsenal to go after it, which I think uh, that's the first time that they've had everybody uh, all year. When we get to the defensive side, we'll talk about that. Looks like the Longhorns are going to be as healthy as they've been all year on that side of the ball too, Mike. Yeah, and Cam Williams, you know, I think he's going to be a really good player. Enjoyed him at Duncanville. Obviously, has NFL type size and potential. I mean, he struggled at right tackle uh, when he was playing there. I mean, I, I know PFF grades are not everything. Uh, but he was like in the 40s or something. It was it was a really bad grade for him. Uh, right guard didn't grade out very well uh, either. So if, if Hudson's back, if Christian Jones is back, 
Calvin Banks, obviously, is one of the best offensive tackles in the country. So anytime you can have him there, uh, that's good as well. And so, you know, TCU is not a heavy blitz team. They're not a heavy pressure team. Uh, they like to kind of keep things in front of them. You know, think Iowa State, bend but don't break type stuff, see what Texas can do in the in the red zone. They don't have a Dylan Horton, uh, the guy that the Texans drafted uh, this last year off the edge. And so uh, this should be advantage Texas offensive line, especially in pass pro. Yep, no doubt about it. And uh, we'll see. It's kind of pick your poison. Texas should have their full complement and looking to make a statement with the offense against TCU's defense. Uh, let me introduce the dog, Chelsea, who's uh, smart enough. She's kind of a little camera whore. She knows how to find that camera here and make her appearance on the Eyes on Texas. Hello, Chelsea. Don't bark at the dogs outside. Uh, it is Brain Vault that brings you the offensive preview brought to you by the, the great folks at Brain Vault. The technology that allows their, it's a, it's a mouth guard. Uh, that optimally aligns the lower jaw in a position that strengthens neck muscles to reduce concussive forces. That's the name of the game. Backed by science, it's a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of those concussions. It's worked in the, in the NFL with over 100 players for the last eight years. It's now being taken to retail by Dr. Greg Eckert and the team and your young athlete and uh, your, your entire team. Have we seen all over high school football in Central Texas, uh, teams have been fitted for the Brain Vault technology, including a big game tonight, Mike. Uh, in high school football, Lake Travis and Vandergrift are going to play uh, in a great first-round matchup. Both of those teams are uh, have been uh, fitted and are all wearing the Brain Vault technology. Uh, your team can, too. Just go to BrainVault.com, uh, BrainVault.com, and learn more. You can read about the research. It's all posted there, uh, how Drew Pittman, the agent, and his clients have been wearing it in the NFL for the last eight years. It does work. It's been proven, and it allows your young athlete in any collision sport to play hard but play safe with brain ball. All right, Mike, let's flip, 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 flip around. This is where TCU's offense, uh, and it's a dynamic offense at times, right? It's one of those offenses that can get after you with some big plays, but they also turn the ball over a lot. High risk, high reward. Uh, our preview is going to be brought to you by Hayes City Store. Hayes City Store and Ice House, the great folks there in Driftwood, Texas. Great spot to watch the game tomorrow if you're going to be out and about. Live music six nights a week on their patio. Uh, they are the best. Travis and Tamara Tyndall, Hayes City Store and Ice House in Driftwood, Texas. Get out there immediately if you've never been. You'll be hooked immediately if you've already been. We can't wait to get back again. Find them online at HayCityStoreTX.com. All right, Mike, the Texas defense, let's give some kudos here as we preview their matchup with the offense. This has a, has a chance to be the best Texas run defense that they've fielded since joining the Big 12 Conference. Uh, you grew up watching some great Texas defenses, uh, even back into the 70s and 80s with Coach Royal and Coach Akers. They've had some great defenses. Uh, this is not a great defense in total. But what they're doing, especially coming off the game with K-State, it's historically good against the run. They're allowing in Big 12 play, you know, under 80 yards, just over, just right right between 79 and 81 yards a game on the ground uh, to Big 12 opponents. I mean, they uh, and they, they, they've, I don't say shut down, but they, they've pretty much shut down great at run offenses like Alabama and Kansas State. Uh, teams that like to run, Baylor likes to run the ball. They couldn't run the ball a lick against Texas. This is, you know, with, with, Byron Murphy and Devondre Sweat and Jalen Ford, this is as good a Texas run defense as we've seen in a long time. Yeah, the safeties are pretty good in run support as well. I mean, Jaron Thompson has some, you know, deficiencies, but he's really good in run support. Uh, those guys are aggressive. They've played in the same system for a while, so you can tell they're fit. That's the thing, right? When we watch a lot of run defenses, it always gets kind of talked about talent levels and, and linemen and linemen. A lot of it's just knowing your gap assignment. Like Texas has played together for a while. They played with the same coaches. They played in the same system for three years now. They're just never in the wrong spot. Like You can tell they just played a lot of football together. How many of yous do you think it would take to block Tavondre Sweat? Three. 
I, I, yeah, at least. <laughs> right, right. For your quarterback to get the ball away. Like the dude's just an absolute beast. Um, you know, I think he, you know, single-handedly may be an overstatement, but he was the main reason Texas escaped uh, that comeback attempt from Kansas State with his play and the red zone tipping the ball down and then just taking on those blocks and shutting down the run plays. And so uh, Texas is incredible up front. I think Casey uh, Rogers, I, the Casey Hampton, Sean Rogers defensive tackle pairing is the only one I can really think of that compares to this. They've been excellent. Uh, and I'd imagine they're the all Texas defensive tackles first team uh, at Dave Campbell's at the end of the year. It's funny you mentioned, yeah, I think Rodgers and Hampton, maybe even on a different level, both those guys played in the NFL a long time. And Rod Babers, my partner on the radio, was a freshman when Sean Rodgers was wrapping up his career. And he he talks about how there was the year where Sean Rodgers led their team in tackles, Mike. Yeah, he was incredible. Tackle. And it, it was when Rod came in and got a false sense of security that playing corner was easy because they didn't have to cover anybody for very long because <laughs> those yeah. guys were getting the ball out or they were getting sacked. And Casey or Sean – uh, they, like they, he said, they, we, we really, there were practice where we couldn't practice with them on the field. We, we just had to put somebody else in so we could actually get some normal offensive work. Uh, they were that good. But uh, Sweat and Murphy are doing their part in that regard. Uh, but for TCU, uh, what is Texas dealing with here? They're, you know, the, the Amani, Amani Banks, the running back, or Barnes, uh, the transfer in from, uh, I think it was Louisiana. Good player, right? He's, he's a good running back. But you can't expect him to get much of anything here uh, against this Texas run defense. Josh Hoover is their young quarterback. Josh is a kid who's from uh, Rockwall, Heath High. A big-time arm, can really throw it. If he's given time, he can sling the rock. He was a guy – he was recruited by uh, out of high school by Kalen DeBoard when he was at Indiana, Mike. Now he's the head coach of Washington, the fifth-ranked team in the country, uh, plays a, a you know, vertical passing offense. He can really throw the ball, but as you said, if you get pressure in his face, as you get up into him, much like we saw Malik Murphy, young quarterbacks are going to turn the ball over. They'll spray it around – Though to me, if you're PK, you got to heat it up. You got to heat him up early, and try to try to uh, get after this kid, not let him get comfortable. Yeah, for those who don't know, Kendall Bryles is the offensive coordinator. So think kind of that Baylor style of offense that you see at Oklahoma and a few other places around the country now with that extension of the tree there. Uh, they've moved the ball pretty well. Amani Bailey's been an excellent running back, a, a top five rusher. Uh, in the country this year, averaging close to six yards a carry. They're going to get yards. They're going to figure out a way to get yards. I mean, it's a pretty well-schemed up offense from the 20 to the 20. A lot like Texas, they've been bad in the red zone. They were decent against Texas Tech. That, that's kind of up their ranking a little bit. But they still rank in the 100. So I think it's like 102 or 103 right now in touchdown percentage conversion in the red zone. And so, you know, Texas is going to be their stiffest test so far. Uh, they have not played a defensive line like this. They have not played uh, a team with this much strength, this much speed. And so it'll be interesting to see what Kendall Browles, uh, you know, gets dials up there. Uh, but I imagine TCU moves the ball. I imagine they get some first downs. I imagine they pick up some yards. To me, this game on both sides of the football comes down to who executes better in the red zone and then obviously turnovers, right? Like Texas can't allow TCU back into this one like Kansas State, uh, but the TCU offense can be got the same way the Texas offense can be got, and that's getting into the 20-yard line and then bogging down. Yeah. Uh, another conversation with Landry Burdine. We had same thing. Yeah, whenever they get to the inside the 20, it seems like a whole different team. Uh, and they kind of seize up on it uh, with the youth. And then, because look, let's be honest about that. Texas deals with this too. The closer you get to the goal line, the more pressure you can bring on a quarterback, uh, you know, for defensive backs and the safeties. You don't have to worry about getting beat deep, which in the middle of the field, that's your biggest fear. Um, the closer you get, the more that, that, that end line becomes a defender for you, and you can play a little more downhill. 
limits the play calls that the coach can call. I mean, it's it's a problem, not just for Texas and TCU. Cross football right now, red zone offense is becoming more and more of a challenge. Even watch the Cowboys play football these days in the NFL. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, one of the best teams in the NFL, have a hard time in the red zone. Uh, I, I think it's the uh, I think it's the the lack of the big bruising back anymore. You yeah. know, you don't you don't need that guy very often, and so you don't use a scholarship on him. You don't use a roster spot on him in the NFL. Uh, but TCU and Texas both lack a dude that weighs 230 pounds that can go get you two yards on the goal line. And so they have to get creative and, and hope their quarterback can make the play. And Josh Hoover just isn't a guy that's going to make an off script play right now. He's still trying to figure it out, uh, has a hard time uh, improvising for himself and then going and, and doing something. So they just haven't been good off script. Like it either has to work the way it's drawn up or it's not going to work at all. That's kind of been TCU's problem in the red zone. Yeah. Well, and you think interesting you say that because that's a big debate across football. You know, I was talking about the Cowboys on our radio show. Cowboys don't run the ball at all. I mean, Zeke Elliott's gone now. They, you know, let him go. And Tony Pollard's not a power back. And they, they you know, uh, I argue they should have traded for Derrick Henry at the trade deadline. Uh, bring in, I mean, you got one half a year with Derrick Henry. Don't think that guy helps you at the goal line. Uh, and the most devastating force in the NFL right now is Jalen Hurts with his uh, tush push and the run, this quarterback sneak. But people don't know what you do about my about him. He's a power lifter. Those guys squatting 500 pounds in high school. That guy is a power back in your backfield, and you snap him the ball, and he's not going to be denied. He's going to get you two, three yards. You put an all-pro center like Jason Kelsey in front of him, you know, that's, you know, two strong, powerful guys coming at you. Uh, that's that's hard to stop. But you're right. Not everybody has that. Nobody has – not especially in college, who's got the power backs anymore. Roshan Johnson was such a blessing for Texas – over the last couple of years, that guy was going to get you a couple of yards. And that was the luxury Sark had because uh, they were really good offense in the red zone the last couple of years because you had B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson. Both guys would get you in from the red zone. Roshan, most particularly, both those guys are gone. That's almost like Sark uh, built a false sense of security that, uh, that, that we'll just keep that rolling. Well, you don't have the same backs, Mike. You don't have the same guys, and neither does TCU. They don't have uh, Kendra Miller anymore. He's playing the National Football League. Yeah, and so you have to scheme up some weird trick play stuff, try to get people to to guess and, and do wrong things defensively. And we've seen that a few times in the red zone for Texas. And as somebody who watches TCU as much as I watch Texas, I've seen it from TCU too, where they're moving the ball 20 to 20, and then all of a sudden it looks like their, their uh, offensive playbook is just completely different. It's like, where did that play call come from? And it's coming from the inability to just be able to hand the ball off to the guy behind you and go get two or three yards. And the defense knows that as well. And so they're not stacking into the middle. They're not giving you the one-on-one -on -one matchups. They're not selling out on play action. And all of a sudden you have an open guy in the flat. And so uh, both teams have to get creative schematically when they get into the red zone, because they just don't have the personnel to push people around for two or three yards. All right. Uh, Texas has the advantage, both offense and defense against TCU in this football game. I think that's fair to say. Let me tell you about our friend Carlos Carrion, the Texas Mortgage Guy, uh, online at thetexasmortgageguy.com. Don't forget the T-H-E at the front, thetexasmortgageguy.com, a lifelong Austinite helping you into a new home, a refi of any kind. And as he would tell me to let, have me tell you, you know, it's still a good time to buy. Interest rates are high, but you get into that house in Austin, Texas, if you can uh, make it happen, he'll help you with that with the mortgage. Uh, get you as low a rate as possible and then get you in. Uh, you can refi that number when it comes down because eventually the interest rates will come back to the pack and then you can refi, but then you're sitting on a piece of property that's going to continue to value in Austin, Texas. Give them a call or uh, fire up the website, thetexasmortgageguy.com. 
Uh, he's got there to not just provide you a quote, but he wants to guide you and help solve problems, strategize. One of the most critical and most important financial decisions of anyone's life. Uh, TheTexasMortgageGuy.com. Also find them on social media. He's Facebook. Just search Carlos Carrion, C-A-R-R-E-O-N, or on Twitter at Carlos Carrion 36. Also jump in there on Twitter with him. You can go back and forth talking Longhorns and Eyes on Texas and all that stuff. Uh, he'd love to do that too. Lifelong Longhorn fan. Uh, good dude. Uh, Carlos Carrion, the Texas Mortgage Guy. Com. All right, Mike, uh, special teams always important in this game. And uh, Longhorns last week, Ryan Sandboard, probably didn't talk about him enough, pinning K-State back over and over again. Uh, he's been tremendous punting. Burt Auburn deserves some bouquets for his kicking ability. I mean, clutch kicks, big kicks, not just the, the chip shots too. Uh, Burt has really been big. Xavier Worthy has a punt return in, in uh, the recent games and has been really good with field position. This has become a really good specialty teams unit. You think of the, the impact Keelan Robinson has had. And Sark talks a lot about the versatility of this team. They can beat you in a lot of ways. They beat you on special teams, too. Now, the block punt last week was critical. I'm sure that was a point of emphasis this week. But uh, other than that, uh, this has been a really good special, special team unit for Texas. Yeah, it feels like these kind of games where Texas has clear advantages on offense and defense that if they don't lose the special teams battle, they're going to win the football game, right? Like one of TCU's ways to win this football game is to block a kick or Texas to miss a couple field goals or to pop a big return or for Texas's punt return hiccups to come back from earlier in the year. The Horn Frogs are going to need entrances into this football game, right? Like they're going to need Texas to let them into the club yeah. to 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 do this one. And one of those places tends to be special teams. And so if you're in the TCU locker room this week, I had a, I would I would pretty much guarantee they are telling their team we have to win the special teams battle to even have a chance in this football game. I'd be on the lookout for fakes. I'd be on the lookout for, for block kind of formations and schemes that you haven't seen before. TCU is going to empty the bag because one, they want to win this football game. Uh, and two, they got to win two out of their last three to get into a bowl game. Um, this is one of their last chances to kind of ride the ship and, and avoid kind of a big down, big time letdown this season. They're going to do everything they can. I think special teams is where they're going to get uh pretty, uh, creative and aggressive i would guess i agree with you by the way mike uh with the special teams talk and the big picture talk of this game uh since the quinn yesterday's quinn yours announcement that he would play also that jalen catalan and keaton crawford are available christian jones that line has jumped up to almost 13 now <laughs> uh, the money's coming in heavy on texas now that they have what is their healthiest team so far this year <laughs> with, with you know jalen catalan's playing deep safety again and He's able to come up and help and run support and be back on the field. Uh, and that's pretty scary for the rest of this schedule because if the Longhorns have sur have survived the injury bug, especially at quarterback, then can come healthy for the stretch run, which would be included in the Big 12 title game, that's a blessing for Sark to get everybody back, right, in this run of the final three games and then into a possible trip to Arlington. I don't have national data here, uh, but I checked in with a few coaches around the Power Five in Texas, and there's there's six schools. I talked to to four of the head coaches there. Uh, none of the none of them have their whole team practicing, right? Like that is a rarity to be going into week eleven and to have your whole entire team practicing. Uh, that's a big thing for for the Longhorns, as you said. They survived a few scares. They got through a couple weeks without their starting quarterback. I'd imagine they're as healthy as any team in, in the country right now. And that is obviously an advantage for the Longhorns. Yeah. Well, and it's one of those things that is a commonality of championship teams. Uh, you look back at teams that win championships, they, they, they catch breaks on the injury bug. They survive some of those coin flip games you talked about. And Texas has done that this year. 
Uh, lost one of them too at Oklahoma, so two and one in those coin flipper games. And uh, at the, the the injuries that they have taken have not been season ending. I remember Sark talking about the Cole Hudson injury and the Jalen Catalan, and he said, "Best thing is it's not season ending. It's week to week. Uh, we'll see how long it takes to get him back." Malik, uh, you know, Quinn Ewers was the same way. Fortunately, none of these guys have needed surgery, a major surgery of any kind that was going to cost them a year. Uh, so yeah, I mean that's that's great. That's interesting to hear. No one else. And I think that's why Sark said it so proudly on Monday. He was like, man, you guys got to hear this. We got our whole team out there. Right. Right. It's November. This is unheard of. So got to take advantage of that and get after it. And you can't let that special teams battle cost you. And I'm assuming that's being echoed and uh, yelled by Jeff Banks pretty much this week uh, in practice for the Longhorns. But the important components of your specialty teams, the Longhorns have been great. Kicking, punting, um, field position returns they've been outstanding so it can be a strength for the texas longhorns uh without a doubt uh so yes uh, whole offensive line looks like the whole secondary could be back and playing in this game and that's bad news you mentioned tcu and their ability to get to a bowl game how about their final three they got texas here then they're going to play uh, baylor and then they go to oklahoma <laughs> so there's a good chance that T- tcu doesn't get to six wins mike which you know the last team to lose a game in the national title game and then not make a bowl the last next year i think we know who that was yeah, 2010 Texas. And so, 2010 Texas. And, and for a lot of the same reasons, right? You lose a quarterback and you can't replace them. And all of a sudden, those games that you were winning pretty handily, now all of a sudden you're in dogfights and you're not going to win all the close ones. And so, um, you know, again, I, I think that the step back was understood. And again, I think this is, we were talking earlier, you were mentioning a kind of TCU going into the portal too much. You got to remember those eight guys that were drafted, they were recruited to TCU and TCU was still rolling. Sonny Dykes now has a locker room of guys that were recruited to TCU as that thing was starting to fall off. And and like we saw with Tom Herman, a lot of times coaches don't get fired for on-field results. They get fired for the momentum off the field. What Gary Patterson was doing in recruiting the last couple cycles was not up to par from what he was doing in previous cycles. And so there's just not a lot of talent there. Like this is a, this is a decently talented team, um, but a lot of it's from the portal. Trey Sanders is not the guy he was before his injuries. I think it's safe to admit uh, that Tommy Brockemeyer isn't the prospect that everybody thought he was going to be coming out of high school. Same with Jojo Earl. And so um, they did not replace those starters with guys that are, are as good. And at TCU, that's going to be expected. They're, they're going to have to be in every three-year program. This just isn't that year for them. But if they can steal a win against the Longhorns, that makes them feel a lot better. And so uh, this is one of those games where kind of, you know, you can, you can write a lot of wrongs in a season and kind of glide. It can be the whiteout of this year where you can kind of, Hey, we went to the national championship game the year before we beat Texas and made it to a bowl game the year two. It doesn't feel as such a bad thing if they can win this game. So if you're Texas, you got to weather that first quarter. Weather that first quarter. And, you know, I said that on the, the show this morning and I, I or yesterday earlier this week and I was, then I started to correct myself. I was like, well, get out early, get to a big lead and Texas can maybe, you know, put this team to bed. Uh, I think, well, there were times of the K state and the Houston game where you felt like, Oh man, this game's over. Uh, 21 nothing and 17 nothing, and the next thing you know, it's a ball game. So anything can happen with this Longhorn team. They do tend to like to do the gray hair cardiac thing uh, and make it tough on themselves. Maybe this is the game that goes like Baylor or goes like uh, uh, the BYU game where Texas can get up and get control of this game. Because if you can, Josh Hoover is going to throw you a couple yes. uh, without a run game, uh, long passing downs. you got your whole secondary back healthy. This can be a game that they throw you some. But same time, uh, this crowd will be itching to get in it and, and get behind a team and – uh, as we say, their Super Bowl and be that uh, that spoiler. You know, the, the definition of a spoil game, a trap game for me, Mike, is just this, a team that has nothing to lose. It is their Super Bowl. 
can make their whole season. You know, Sonny Dykes wants to get out in the recruiting trail if he's not going to be in a bowl game. And this is a game to build your recruiting on, you know, after the national championship. Look, look, we can get you to the national title game. We just need better players. Yeah. Heck, we just beat Texas. Uh, that kind of stuff. I mean, this this is that kind of game. Uh, Sonny has a has it for Texas. He's never lost to the Longhorns, the head coach. You, I mean, your cover story on Sonny for Dave Campbell's Texas football was awesome. This is his dream job. This is a job he always wanted to have growing up with his dad as an assistant coach on the staffs in Austin and then off to Texas Tech. So this one's got a special place for him. You mentioned Chris Del Conte and the connections. This will be a fun football game. Uh, all right. Do you want to tell you about One Source Gas? My buddy Richard Strever and his team at One Source Gas of Austin and now all through Central Texas. You know, if you're looking for an indicator of growth in a company, uh, you know, this is an example of that you know, because they do it right. Uh, One Source Gas started as a real, little small compressed gas company and they're growing like crazy, taking over market share up and down I-35 into San Marcos and then to San Antonio now all over Austin because they just do it better. Uh, they do it better at One Source Gas. If you have compressed gas needs, you know if you need it for your beer taps in your restaurant or your bar and uh, your veterinary clinic or in your medical uh, medical situation and you need compressed gas of any kind, you need it and you can't do your job without it. Uh, so it's got to be reliable. It's got to be on time. You got to be on call if you need extra or whatever it might be. If you are a bar, restaurant owner, dental office, veterinary clinic, or have a business that has compressed gas needs, I can't recommend One Source Gas of Austin better. It's onesourcegasatx.com online. That's onesourcegasatx.com. It's spell out the word one, O-N-E, onesourcegasatx.com. Or call Richard Strever, 512-214-8484. That's 512-214-8484. wanted to mention this, Mike, and then we'll make our final predictions here on our preview edition of the Eyes on Texas Multicast, powered by Grande Equipment. So it came out today from the SEC uh, of the two teams that each baseball program will play every year starting in 2025. And I don't know if there's anything we can glean from it because we're trying to make our predictions on football starting next year. But Texas will play Texas A&M and Oklahoma every year in college baseball, which I guess would be our guess. Texas A&M will play Texas and LSU uh, as their annual rival. Uh, Oklahoma, who's joining the conference, will play Missouri and Texas. Uh, so if that makes sense, then you can go up and down the list. I don't know what we can glean because that's been an ongoing conversation. You know, is Alabama going to play Auburn and who? Right for their once we go to the 16 team SEC, Texas is going to play AM and Oklahoma. But what is AM going to do? Do they get LSU or do they get Arkansas every year? Maybe we get something here from the baseball side that this might fall in line. Doesn't mean it has to, but that's what came out today for baseball. Are you a fan of that? I am. I am. I, I still hope they do the three six model where they're, you know, you get the three permanent uh, opponents and then the six rotating ones. And if that's the case, I, I hope Texas gets AM, Oklahoma, Arkansas. And I'd yeah. imagine AM would hope they get LSU, uh, Texas, Arkansas. And so uh maybe that's just the Southwest Conference nerd in me, but that'd be uh, a lot of a lot of fun to get that back going. Well, and you know LSU would like to keep playing Alabama every year. Uh that yeah. would be a and shame. And AM. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's been good. Well, AM would love to play LSU, right? AM, you know, ever since the Texas game ended, they've been trying to make it a LSU rivalry. LSU doesn't consider it a rivalry. Texas AM does. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the Aggies would like to see that going. I think LSU would like, you know, the fans might not, but but uh, the coaches would like to keep recruiting East Texas and getting into into Houston. So that that could be a factor too. So I'm with you. I do like the 3-6 model, but uh, that would be good to keep those three and rotate the other six games on an annual. Uh, to do that, they have to go to nine games, and they are not planning to do that in 2024. Uh, but hopefully ESPN will spend enough money to make that happen eventually, which we assume that they will. Uh, depending on who owns ESPN, because there's a lot of talk in the industry that 
you know, ES, like Disney's trying to bail on ESPN and sell it to Apple or somebody. Um, we'll see. Uh, but there you go. All right, Mike, prediction on this game. What do you think? Uh, what's a what's a, 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 a point total for you for Texas on the road uh, at, at TCU? What do, you, what do you see that at? They've, they've been in around 30 to 40 uh, week to week. They average 35 points a game. Think that's about a good number for this offense? Yeah, I think it's going to be like 34 to 14. I think Texas is going to crush TCU. You know, I think they're going to have to weather the first quarter. I'd imagine TCU pulls out all the tricks, has a great script, uh, maybe, you know, fake punt, that kind of stuff we talked about. Uh, but once this game settles in, I, I said the same thing last week against Kansas State, and I'm upset that I ended up not being right, even though I felt like I was very right. Uh, this Texas team is much better than TCU, just like they were much better than Kansas State. The only way that we're paying attention to this very closely in the fourth quarter is if Texas allows TCU to hang around with turnovers or special teams mistakes. I think a week after doing that, they've learned their lesson enough for the next seven days with Quinn Ewers back. Texas rolls in this one. I'm with you on that. I kind of the kind of the score I was thinking 37-17, something along those lines. Uh, the lines up to 12 or 13, as we said. Uh, but yeah, this is this is maybe a it's a combination of getting everybody healthy, getting Quinn Ewers back on the field, and maybe a little bit of red ass from last year's game. That revenge factor, and I, you know, I do think those Metroplex kids like to play well in the Metroplex. I do think there's, you know, J.T. Sanders and Anthony Hill are right there from Denton and South Lake is not too far uh, from from the stadium. There, uh, those kids love to play well in the Metroplex, get a chance to shine. Uh, in that spot. And uh, I just think, think there's some of that, kind of like the Cotton Bowl. I mean, they didn't win the Oklahoma game, but man, they they played really well in a lot of phases in that game, made some early mistakes that cost them. But uh, I think you're going to see a good performance by the Longhorns here. And I think there's a sense with all the good health um, that there's, they can smell the finish line, Mike. I mean, they can see where they're at, right? They kind of weathered that. There's a mental momentum that you receive that here we are, guys. Well, we're getting everybody back. We're, we're you know, we're sitting there, they're talking about us at the college football playoff thing. And, you know, we just have to go handle our business and not uh, fall into a trap and uh, lose ourselves a game. And maybe some experience from last week of how quickly it can turn, how quickly four or five plays can turn a, a one-sided game into a ball game. And uh, now you're flipping coins at the end of the game. Uh, that's scary stuff. So I, I agree with you. I'll say 37-17, Texas, they gets the victory. Any other games that you're uh, most particularly interested in from around the country, around the state this weekend? Uh, Georgia Ole Miss, uh, probably probably one to watch there. I mean, Georgia hasn't been tested all that much this year. I don't know, you know, who the best team they've beaten is. Maybe Missouri. Uh, Ole Miss, pretty good football team. You know, I watched that A and M game last week on, on Sunday to catch up with what was going on around the state. Uh, that'll be an interesting one. Uh, there's some West Coast games that are going to be pretty good. I I still don't know why Oregon is sixth in the country above Texas and Alabama. So curious to see how the Ducks keep playing there. Um, you know, their best wins Utah with a backup quarterback after that, it may be Colorado or Texas tech or something. So I'm not sure why the ducks are, are, are seen as, as the best one loss team, uh, but it's going to work its way out. And I think if Texas wins out, they're going to find themselves in the college football playoff. You don't, you don't leave, leave out a program like the Longhorns if they're 12 and one, unless there's four undefeated conference champions. And I just don't think that happens. Yeah, there is that chance, Michael. But I mean, how often we always say that at this time of year, and then someone stumbles. A couple of them typically stumble. But yeah. right now, you could have an undefeated SEC team in Georgia, could have Ohio State or Michigan in the Big Ten, Florida State uh, in the ACC, at least three, and then Washington if they were to win out. But man, if Washington wins out, they're going to prove it because they've got to win the Apple Cup. Uh, they're going to have to be that have to beat Oregon again, and a bit, most likely in a Pac-12 championship game. Uh, there's there's a tough road. I agree with you 100 on Georgia. I'm looking forward. This is a big two-game stretch for them here in November. They've got 
Ole Miss this week at home, and they have to go to Tennessee uh, the following week in Knoxville. So this will be their toughest stretch of the campaign. Obviously, the big one uh, in Penn State, uh, Penn State and, and Michigan will square off. Michigan's dealing with all the off-field stuff and the sign stealing, so we'll keep an eye there. That'll be a big one. Can James Franklin finally win a game, the big game? The answer is probably no. Probably no. It'll be a boring, dull, non-creative offense, and <laughs> Michigan will thump them by 21. I would imagine even in Happy Valley uh, would be my guess, but um, uh, that's kind of where that stands. Uh, so it should be a good weekend of college football. Uh, this is the the multicast, the bi-weekly multicast that keeps you up with all things and our eyes on everything Texas football. We'll all be there watching uh, tomorrow at uh, 6.30. Night game, the Longhorns have primetime games all the way home, all the way in the regular season, 6.30 this week, 7 o'clock next week in Ames. And, uh, boy, I'm already trying to look at that advanced weather. How about uh, Iowa at night in November, mid-November? That could be scary next week in Ames uh, as far as the weather goes. But uh, then, of course, the day after Thanksgiving with Texas Tech is a 6.30 kick. So we're primetime Longhorns all the way out. want to thank our partners at uh, thetexasmortgageguy.com, Carlos Carrion. Also, Hay City Store and Ice House out there in Driftwood, Texas. Make it a spot this weekend for you. One Source Gas of Central Texas. Dr. Greg Eckert, my pearly white restored smile and his brain vault technology. That great mouthpiece. And, of course, Grande Equipment, locally owned, independent, but worldwide equipment company that has been serving uh, the heavy equipment needs of the Longhorns and everybody you know, in Texas and around the world uh, since 2004. Online at GrandeEquipment.com. All right, Mike has the Longhorns. I have the Longhorns. Longhorns get Quinn Ewers back. They're getting Jalen Catalan and Keaton Crawford back. Their offensive line is healthy. This should be a fun one at Fort Worth. And the final meeting, what did you say the number was? How many meetings between these two, Mike? It'll be the 94th on Saturday. Woo, 94 times. Uh, three different centuries they played football, Texas and TCU, Texas Christian University. Mike, have a great week. You are going to be in Dallas, right? I will. I'm going to uh, North Texas at SMU on Friday for the one and only conference matchup between North Texas and SMU. Kind of a rarity there since SMU is moving on uh, to a new conference after this year. And then Saturday, TCU, Texas, uh, to see a little bit more history. I am going to see every single final in-state Texas rivalry game uh, this year. I was at the Baylor game, at the Houston game, going to be at TCU, and then obviously uh, we'll be there at the season finale against Tech. So uh, pretty excited to kind of take that all in. As you said earlier, I'm kind of a nostalgic kind of college football history, traditional uh, kind of nerd, and I, and I love this stuff. Sad to see it go, but it'll be fun to take in the last one. Well, we're glad you're doing it, and that'll come back with us when we record our Monday uh, multicast. It'll come out on Tuesday. We'll get your eyewitness account of what happens. Uh, you were there to start the year when TCU lost to Colorado. That became the national cock for the week for sure. Uh, we'll see if this one can do that, too. Uh, Mike, safe travels into the Metroplex. A couple of games, one Friday, one Saturday. I'll be looking forward to recording with you on Monday and recapping the entire weekend. Uh, drive safe, my friend, and uh, hook them horns.